one knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. 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 This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And welcome once again, everybody, to the show. Uh, Joe, back in town. Back after, in the saddle again. After a couple of trips, I don't know if there was uh, if there was gambling involved or poker involved. Can, but uh, can, can you believe I was in Vegas? I did very little gambling because I had the wife with me, and I hate to leave her alone because I know if I sit down to play poker, I could be there. You're for such a great husband. Hours. 10 or 12 hours. No, it's not a matter of being a great husband. It's I know the consequences I'm going to pay. Ah. No matter how much. And she told me, go ahead and do it. I, I listen, like, like the saying goes, that dog has bitten me before. <laughs> so, so I figured, you know what? No. I did a little bit more gambling on the ship, and they had one electronic poker table. Played a little bit, you know, but it's, it's just not quite the same. Now, life is just crazy now. Um, Hurricane Harvey, Hurricane Irma, Hurricane Maria all affecting uh, a lot of people in this country, uh, poker venues and that sort of thing. Now also, uh, you know, the crazy stuff in Charlottesville earlier in the summer uh, and, of course, the the horrible uh, tragedy out in Las Vegas. I didn't talk about it last week, but we'll talk about it a little bit tonight because Joe is just right there. Joe, you uh, said you were at the Mandalay Bay uh, that Tuesday, Tuesday, uh, Tuesday of that week. So earlier in the week, uh, they're saying now that this this – this, uh, I don't want to even call him a gentleman, this scumbag um, checked into the Mandalay Bay about three days earlier than they first thought. Well, they thought it was che- Thursday, he so he may have day, been yeah. in earlier in the week. You may have, I you, may have crossed him in the right lobby or somewhere in the hotel if he was casing the place out and, and everything. But uh, He's a video poker player. You, if you played video poker, you might have been sitting right next to him. Let me tell you, and, and, and it was scary because you know when this occurred Sunday, I was on the cruise now. I had been back for a few days, and my wife and I went on our... Uh, celebration cruise that we always do at that time of the year. And it was so funny because that day when we left Mandalay Bay, I was staying at the Monte Carlo, but their pool and a lot of their areas were under reservation. So we were allowed to use the Mandalay pool or the MGM. Tuesday we were at the Mandalay. And on the way back, we came back, and I had seen that Jason Aldean was playing in a concert. And I told my wife, look, this is where Jason, where the concert, the country concert is going to be on uh, on Sunday. And we had just had an interview just a few weeks ago with Tony Burns, where he talked about he was going to a, a Jason Aldean concert here. Here in West Palm yeah. Beach. Him and his wife were going over there. It was his favorite was, artist. Exactly. And if he had been in Vegas, you know, doing something with poker, he could have been at the show. It's just it's just amazing that, uh, you know, little decisions and uh, little things in your life could make the totally the it, difference. It really is. You know, I... Uh, <laughs> Seems like the people that were in the front of the concert near the stage were the ones that got hurt uh, the worst, I think, right away uh, in the beginning of that. Of course, it went on and on for nine minutes, nine or ten minutes. Just crazy. But uh, the other thing I was going to mention is all these things with weather... Uh, you went on a cruise, and you were supposed and to go to Cozumel. <clears throat> Hurricane Nate went up no, the No, no, wait, 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 wait. So you get this right, so everybody okay. listening gets this right. These were my original four stops, okay? My original four stops were San Juan, Puerto Rico, Turks and Caicos, St. Martin, and St. Kitts. All four got clobbers and clobbered. So they completely changed the itinerary? We even, we even made a comment on our show the week before I left for Vegas about how the owners of the hotel were the poker tournament saying they were, they were canceling reservations and hoping to be open by, you know, Christmas or, or, or New Year's of this, of this year. And I don't know. I mean, seeing how some of these islands and some of this. So we wound up going to... Uh, a private island that I guess Carnival owns. It's part of the Bahamas called Princess Key. Um, and then we went to Jamaica, Ocho Rios, Grand Cayman. And our last day, we were supposed to be Friday in Cozumel. And that's when Nate, Nate was Came right parallel golf. with Cozumel. And we, we, you know, so the captain said, I'm so sorry, we can't go. Turned the boat around and we, when I say leisurely strolled through. 
around through the ocean. That's exactly what we did wow. going all the way around Cuba until we got back here. So that gave me plenty of time to play cards on the boat, right? It did. It was did there, give was me there time. much action in there? Or yeah, not really? It was only late at night. Yeah. Only late at night. Okay. You know, and since, since it was an electronic, you know, it's like playing at home in your computer on one of those electronic tables that we remember we saw right, at the Hard right, Rock right. many years ago that I honestly thought was going to take off but didn't. But, it, you know, listen. It was fun. It killed a little bit of time. Nobody was playing for a whole lot of money. I mean, the biggest stack guy there had maybe 250 in front of him. Other people had 40 or 50. So, you know, it just wasn't a whole lot of fun uh, the way they were playing the game. So it wasn't a lot of action. So. Yeah. Played a little well, bit more blackjack and uh, little slot machines than I did poker. It's great to have you back. And uh, there's a couple of topics I want to talk about tonight. Uh, things kind of have something to do t- in tonight's program. Uh, things that are unethical in poker, cheating, things like that, and some things that have happened over the past couple of weeks. I saved a couple of these topics for when you got back because I really wanted to get your opinion. Uh, but some things, one of them locally, one of them uh, uh, out in California, and I want to talk about some of that. And uh, a couple of these stories are a couple of weeks old, because, but you've been gone, and I yes. wanted to talk to you about them. So uh, we'll get to some of that, and then I have an article later on. If we have time, we'll get to it. Uh, Ashley Adams wrote, uh, about cheating and poker uh, and how there's kind of like fine lines in between whether something is cheating or if it's unethical or perfectly fine, you know, is the name of the article. So uh, we'll talk about that and the different opinions on some of that things if we get to it tonight. Uh, I want to start off with some good news before we get into some of these uh, uh Nefarious uh, topics well, listen, uh, we have having to, to do with the game. Listen, if we're going to get elevate this game, we need to <laughs> we need to address those topics also. But a guy that you and I, uh, you know, think is one of the greatest in the game, Jason Mercier, of course, uh, got married about uh, about a year and a half ago now to Natasha Barber, who is now Natasha Mercier. Uh, about after they've been married about three or four months, uh, she got pregnant. Obviously. He's a real family guy. We've talked about his parents and, and the way he was brought up and, and knew that, you know, this was high on his agenda to have some children and, and, uh, and get on with his family life. And, and everybody was super excited when the news came first came out about uh, Natasha getting pregnant. Uh, I saw them on uh, last Tuesday night, um, which was before, before I did the show, at the uh, Seminole Hard Rock uh, Hurricane Relief uh, Tournament. Uh, charity event uh, benefiting Feeding South Florida, which was a huge success, by the way. But Jason played in it, and Natasha also played in it. And I thought she was maybe about a month. To, she was going to be doing about a month. And I, I, I talked to them, and, and I said, now when is the due date? And Jason said, two days from now. <laughs> so she was very pregnant. Uh, even looked a couple of times like, you know, uh, she, she was a trooper in, in gutting through it, but, uh, you know, not feeling the greatest. Uh but, you know, perfectly healthy, but normal things with pregnancy. And she played in this tournament. She finished fourth in the tournament. He was ended up sitting, when they were down to two tables, he was sitting in the chair next to her. <laughs> she didn't knock him out, but she crippled him uh, basically toward the end, and he got knocked out. So he didn't even make the final table. She finished in fourth. And uh, I'm sure he great. was happy to make Mama happy. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So I took a picture of them in front of the uh, Hard Rock guitars uh, that they're giving away. I'll show it to you later. Uh, but uh, they had a healthy baby boy on Friday night. I guess it was right around midnight or somewhere in that uh, general range, and uh, named him Marco Henry uh, Mercier. So uh, well, congratulations wanna, to that. Yeah, exactly. It's I fantastic. Wanna, I just want to wish them congratulations. And it's not just you and I that think he's a great oh, player. Yeah, <laughs> well, we the, all know he's a great player, but he's the uh, player he's of the years that he, the, those player of the year contests that he's always in the seems to be always in the top three. Uh, you know, yeah. bear that out that he's a great player. Yeah, and a great human being, and she is great as well. And uh, everybody in the poker world super happy for them. Uh, they tweeted out a photo of uh, Jason feeding the baby with a bottle uh, a couple of days ago, and. Uh, Natasha's tweet said, uh, uh, never really realized in my life that I would uh, feel like nothing else matters. And that's the truth, Dave. I mean, I, you know, once you have children, you know, Gio will attest to that also, buddy. Once, once certain moments come, you just can't, you know, you just look at yourself and you go, how did, how did I have a life before this person came into it, you know? Yeah. It, it, it truly changes it and... and you know, for people who don't have children, you know, I know they've heard this from their parents and from other people, but 
until you do have your own children. Then it's all of a sudden like you go, oh, now I know what everybody was talking about. Yeah, absolutely. It's like a, it's a well kept secret that you don't know until until you have your own. Yeah. So congratulations to them. Uh, I also want to uh, talk a little bit about the uh, the situation in Vegas because. Uh, you know, I've been kind of getting a reaction on what the effect on poker was. Of course, things got back to normal after a few days, but uh, the Strip itself was just a ghost town, obviously blocked off on the southern end by Mandalay Bay, and, and people couldn't even walk on the street uh, for several days while they were well, doing investigations. Well, could you imagine, I mean, you know, granted there isn't any open space like they could, they, like they have near the Mandalay Bay and the Luxor, you know, because they're, they're, they're all the way in, like you said, what's that, the south end of, yeah. of the Strip. There isn't another MGM major. Is right there, there isn't another uh, major hotel past Mandalay Bay. Right, and that's the south. last one. Yeah. So imagine if this had taken place. You know, you know, hotels went on lockdowns. They're yeah, all absolutely. Over the city. And I don't know how much poker there is down in that area. I don't know if Mandalay Bay even has a room. I know MGM has a room. Uh, whether New York, New York, Luxor, and some of those have it. I don't think it's a huge poker area. It's no, they a, they all run. Game. They all run small. You know, table uh, games. Ta- table games you know, uh, they may have an eight or nine, ten table room. I know Mandalay Bay. When I stayed there many years ago, it's got to be about more than ten now that I last stayed at Mandalay Bay. You know, they they ran small little tournaments. You know, in uh, or like at eleven o'clock, and then again at three, and then at six or seven, and it would get thirty, forty people in the tournament, and usually running two. Maybe three live games, you know. The, it's not the the mecca for the poker down yeah, there. Yeah, but the mecca is up north: the Venetian, the Bellagio, the Rio, uh, uh, Caesar's Palace, places like that. Uh, I heard a comment from somebody. It was like I think it was either three nights or four nights or something after Sunday, and the guy said who regularly played at the Bellagio went to the Bellagio. He said there was nobody there playing, and he said. It was deader than the night or two after 9/11, you know. And he's been around in town that time. He said well, the let effect me tell on you, town Dave, that that scares you, then you yeah. know. And, and, and uh, obviously it was there, not and, like New York. Exactly, right? you know. And it's and it, it, listen, you 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 look up at everything and you're wondering, you know, is this all worth it, you know? And unfortunately, this this jerk that that did this, you know, I, I'm sure that was part of the intention. That he wanted, you know, was to put fear in the people at Vegas. Uh, you know, I certainly hope somebody down the line, you know, finds out why this man who yeah. had a lot of money, you know, seemingly living the life that a lot of people at his age would love to live. Have a lot of money and enjoying your life, you know, being, uh, you know, treated, you know, much like a whale. Well, you know, and, and, and if not a whale whale, you know, treat it, you know, at the top of of your game level there for the amount of money that you have, you know, owned homes in a lot of different cities. It it just, you know, we need to kind of get an explanation as to why he did yeah, this and to you get know, some closure. I, I know it's selfish on our part, and it does not going to bring anybody back, but you just wonder, uh, you know, in some of these things, you just wish that the guy had the guts to, to face what happened you know somehow he would be captured and we could get an explanation i guess it doesn't matter but uh it's always taking the cowardly way out to put a bullet in his mouth or or whatever and uh you know it's it's disappointing because you'd like to find out you know exactly you know what was in his mind and why he did this i don't know uh, you know and then like get a chance to torture him after that <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah the families of 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 the victims unfortunately but um you know the sheriff, I remember a couple of days after the shooting, I was on the cruise listening to the news reports. And, you know, the, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I can't believe that with the amount of weaponry that he had in that hotel, that he did this all on his own. Yeah. I just I just can't wrap my head around well, that. Uh, that the, somebody the police either in think, the hotel. A lot of people don't think so. They don't really have any proof yet, but they feel like he couldn't have done it possibly on his own. It just seems how can how can you get twenty three you know guns rifles, machine guns whatever it was that he used, you know into into a room there with no one taking notice of that you know I'm 
I'm sure it can get done, but it's it's just hard for for yeah. for the public to 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 wrap their heads around that. Well, the good thing is a lot of the hero heroism uh, of uh, some of the concert goers, obviously the first responders who are always you know, protecting us and, and being the first ones to run into the face of danger. But, but a lot of the a lot yeah, of the concert absolutely. goers absolutely. need to be you know need to be recognized for their heroes for for being such, such yeah, great heroes. Exactly. And even some of them were wounded themselves while helping other pl- other people there. That's you know, that's thank you. <laughs> that just restores our faith in 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 the, in, 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 in people. And in how Absolutely. Americans are here in this country, how we, you know, they could talk all the garbage and crap they want around the world, but you know, this 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 country, bi- bi- you know, bonds together when a situation occurs. And there's always going to be the call for responsible gun legislation uh, after that, which is kind of ironic because you think the average stereotypical country music fan is going to be someone who, uh, you know, wants their guns and that sort of thing. And, and it's, you know, that's not fair to judge everybody and lump everybody together. But uh, again, you know, this is something that the talk goes on. It's, it just takes, it's just such a shame that, you know, this many people have to get killed or hurt before there's finally some discussion about. Well, but they had discussions when Sandy Hook happened with the children, you know, and then, uh, you know, the, the churches, it's just you know the the NRA has a very strong lobby and uh, has a strong influence and listen I'm I want people to have guns they I just don't understand why a US citizen needs to have a machine gun yeah. have a rifle for hunting and a gun for protection yeah you know don't need well, you don't need a machine gun a machine gun should only be for seconds. soldiers you know <laughs> exactly. that's it exactly so and the law states something about the bump uh, what was it called the bump uh, what he it was the the, yeah. the instrument that you use to turn a regular rifle into a machine gun or something, bump yeah, stock. What's that called? Bump Shield. stock. Bump, bump stock. stock, right. Okay. You know, the, they need to have, my wife mentioned this, you know, that if you go to the pharmacy and you get, you know, uh, a narcotics, like let's say oxycodone, uh, you know, and you get, you know, X amount of pills, 120 pills for a 30-day prescription. Somebody else gives you another prescription and you go to a different pharmacy, they have that in the National Data Bank, and they'll put your name in there, and they'll see that you were prescribed two days earlier 130 pills. You ain't getting it. Yeah, right. Even if you go anywhere else in the country using your real name, right. you're not going to get that. So Yet you, if can they're not 50, to, you can buy 50 rifles in well, 30 you can, days. They, they're supposedly not allowed to sell you the bump stock with the rifle, from what I understood. Okay. okay? But you can buy the rifle in one place and go buy the bump stock somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So, you know... If 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 it wasn't intended for that, then why not have a national database that that gun store owners have to have and make sure that you don't have a rifle for this bump stock, right. which in essence would kill the bump stock because there's no reason for anybody to have that. And you just wonder, uh, country music had, did that have anything to do with it? Uh, the the city of Vegas was that, was that the real reason? You just we just don't know. But basically, you can't do anything these days. I mean, you can go to a sporting event, a football game, a baseball game. You never know what might break out there. Uh, you know, kids at school, just totally innocent people getting killed these days. And, uh, I, you know, I don't want to get political, but, uh, you know, something's got to be done. Big Dave, you know, and, and it, something's got to be done with that, yes. You know, we've had our, the terror attacks here, like you mentioned, 9-11. But, you know, I, it scares the hell out of us. I remember taking my kids out of school when 9-11 occurred because of the fear right. that it was instilled in all of us. And... You know what? It's like the president said back then, you know, we got to continue to live our life. Right. Because that's what exactly what they're looking for us to do is to change our way of life and to to have us on edge and constantly afraid. And you know what? You know, a lot of brave men and women have given their lives for us to, to have these freedoms and to enjoy these venues. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think it would be very disrespectful if, if we had to change it drastically you know, because of the fear factor that any maniac can just right. go ahead and do what this guy does. We le- we have to learn from each one of these episodes, Dave, in my opinion, and learn how to prevent it and make it that much more difficult for the next right. nut job to do it. Absolutely. Uh, this is a poker show. Uh, I want to kind of look at the impact on poker, and uh, the response from the poker community has been uh, above and beyond the call of duty, uh, not only from players uh, contributing uh, there was a GoFundMe campaign set up by uh, Steve Sisolak, who you may have seen on CNN, 
Uh, he's on the Clark County Commission. He's the chairman of the commission. He set up a campaign with his own $10,000 donation. They had a goal of $500,000 uh, to help. It's called the Las Vegas Victims Fund. Uh, you can check that out and make a contribution if you want to. But uh, so far they have, uh, this is as of like four, three or four days ago, they had uh, collected over $9.7 million. Yeah, and I'm victims. hoping it does what J.J. Watt's GoFundMe did for the right. Houston residents. And exactly. And Harvey. people, you know, people have given and given given again uh, because of all these uh, natural disasters. And now a man-made disaster, uh, you know, not as much money to go around, but people have stepped up. The poker community has been a big part of that. Uh, people who live in Vegas, people who go there for the summer every year. And uh, it's the largest GoFundMe campaign uh, since the Pulse nightclub shooting one was set up uh, that collected $7.85 million in uh, last June. So uh, huge uh, uh, contributions from everybody. Also, the hotels have stepped up big time. I know there's been a $3 million donation from MGM, which also owns which the Which went through the sheriff, though. It's a different fund than right, GoFundMe. Exactly. Exactly. I no, remember exactly. reading the, the, the report correctly. Exactly, and I think uh, the, a couple of the other hotels gave either two. Uh, the Sands gave, I believe, $2 million, if I'm not mistaken. You know, we, we get on uh, uh, the Sands uh, owner. Uh, I can't even think of his Sheldon. name. Sheldon. Sheldon Adelson. But... Uh, you know, the the Sands contributed greatly. Uh, they Boyd, all Boyd Gaming, who uh, I've worked for here at, da at the Dania Highline in the past, uh, they actually offered free rooms to people, uh, families of the victims, uh, victims themselves that were that maybe couldn't get back home but were not in the hospital. Uh, but they have contributed in numerous rooms at se their several hotels, which include. Uh, uh, the Fremont and uh, Main Street Station, Gold Coast, uh, Orleans, and and several others. So great it, it job! It by sounds them like as well. everybody's stepping up to the plate. Absolutely. You know, it really Absolutely. does. And and guess what? You know, we're very happy to see that. But I I would have been more surprised if they hadn't done it. Yeah. Than than I than I am. You know, I'm, that this is what they need to do to let everybody know that they care about everybody over there, the tourists, the the residents, everybody. Yeah, and it's a crime so heinous uh, that, you know, like 9-11, certainly not on that scale of loss of life, but, uh, you know, for different reasons, we'll obviously never forget it. So no, sir. Uh, congratulations for everybody who stepped up and, uh, you know, yeah. I don't know, we, I, there's been no talk on if there was a poker player, poker players killed there, but I'm sure there were. Um, yeah, you know, listen, <laughs> again, <clears throat> I just want to give my heartfelt thanks to all those heroes and all those people that first responders, as you mentioned. I mean, seeing those videos was tough, Dave. Yeah, but it was tough. Hearing the stories of how injured people were helping other injured people is just, just you know, I got goosebumps telling yeah, you the story absolutely. right now. So. Okay, let's take our first break in the show. When we come back, we'll switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about uh, a couple of the unethical things that have happened in the world of poker uh, over the last couple of weeks and uh, get Joe's thoughts on some of that stuff. Uh, we'll also talk about a couple of the uh, latest results. Art uh, uh, Papazian uh, won his second tournament. He won Legends of Poker out in Los Angeles just a few weeks ago and ends up winning uh, last week down at Maryland Live. So a uh, huge uh, tournament for him. Being in the zone, being in the zone. Uh, WSOP Circuit just left here, went to uh, southern Indiana. That one is complete. We'll give you some of the results of that. Justin Boggs, the winner there. And uh, obviously several big things still to come, including an announcement on some of the uh, 2018 stops for the WPT. We'll get to all that stuff when we return. You're listening to Poker Action Line, and we'll be back after these messages. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer could purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, 
prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. WFO Radio NHRA Nitro is all about the NHRA Full Throttle Drag Racing Series. Join Joe at 7 p.m. Eastern each Tuesday night for the first edition of NHRA Nitro. Featuring the NHRA's Alan Reinhardt. Race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally. Every Tuesday night, following NHRA national events, NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime on the WFO radio application and at WFORadio.com. Welcome back to the show, Big Dave and Joe. Joe back in the saddle again, and uh, it's like uh, the Lone Ranger and uh, Tonto. Uh, it's not the same without you, buddy, but uh, uh, we do thank uh, some of our people that stepped in, uh, some of our guests uh, over the last uh, couple of months on a couple of shows Joe's missed, uh, first for health region reasons and then uh, much-needed uh Vacation oh, yeah. and, and fun stuff too. So, but Kristen Wilson uh, last week uh, on the show, and I've talked to Robbie Straczynski. He's going to join us on a future show, and I haven't worked that hard about getting co-hosts. Uh, you gave me plenty of notice, and I kind of uh, kicked the can down the road. Yeah, well, uh, see, that. The, the health the health <laughs> issue I had no idea was no, going to come know. up, but no, I this I knew from many months ago because we had booked uh, the trip to Vegas and the cruise. It, it 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 comes around both of our birthdays and our anniversary, so we we always seem to plan that. Right. If, if you go back in history, you'll see that I've always been away at that time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, I want to get to this Gardens Casino thing. Uh, this happened a couple of weeks ago, and I want to get Joe's thoughts. Uh, uh, we were talking during the break about how uh, you know poker rules. You know, obviously the TDA has tried to uh, uh, you know normalize things so that uh, we have some of the same rules everywhere. Uh, but it's not perfect. You know, people have different rules. You mentioned how, uh, you know, percentage of the field that gets paid out. It's a different from one place to or, the next. Or even what the payoffs are for the position that you finish in. But all that stuff, including the dates of the tournament, how many opening sessions, when you move on to the, the main event, and, and uh, you know, when is day two, and all that stuff has got to be laid out ahead of time because people make plans. Uh, on when they're going to show up at a tournament, which uh, sessions they're going to play, uh, you know, looking at their schedule to be available if they make it to day two. And this was one of the worst unethical decisions I think I've ever seen in the world of poker, and people are shocked. I've seen it done before, but obviously it wasn't to this extent because of the guaranteed amount. I've seen smaller casinos and the many, you know, trying to get generate, you know, people to come in, give a guarantee, and then at the last minute say, oh, I'm sorry, we're not going to give out the guarantee because they know they're going to fall way short of it. And every single one that I've ever been around that I've seen that, you know, those rooms are already starting their their, their decline to eventually closing the doors. Right. You know, and, and Dave, it goes back to the point of where poker was never a money-making, you know, the, part as, of the as, business. As, as, as Casino managers and CEOs would always say, you know, that that's wasted floor space over there where poker is. It's no longer the case in a lot of the casinos because of how tournament poker has taken off and has drawn, drawn thousands and thousands of, of poker players into town along with their families, playing all those other things, enjoying the other venues that are, are available to them in these casinos. But having this casino, what was it, a million-dollar guarantee? million-dollar guarantee, a $565 buy-in tournament. They scheduled seven, not seven, 14 opening flights, which is 
a lot, you know, obviously, but a uh, million dollar guarantee on a 565 is pretty ambitious unless you're unless you're used to having yeah. thousands of people show up. Exactly, but this is what they were hoping to do, and if I'm not mistaken, they realized halfway through all these 14 day one flights or even a little later than that that they were going to fall way short of their of Yeah, their obviously guarantee. they're soiling their pants, uh, you know, in the beginning of the tournament when the turnout is slow. Uh, basically, uh, they were supposed to have day two on a Saturday, day three on a Sunday. Uh, so on uh, on a Thursday night, they announced, or a Thursday during the day. You know uh, how late that is to do yeah. that? If well, they they've already had, had. If they had done it after the first two or three days and said, hey, listen, you know, we miscalculated, but we're going to enjoy, the, you know, we're going to extend it. You're putting out a f- two or three, you know, you're putting out. Whatever, maybe yeah. twenty people who may have planned now that they won, you know, that they 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 followed, went through on day one for day two or day three. That's unethical on its own part, right there. But at least you're not inconveniencing hundreds of players that have already qualified for, right. for day two. I think two. there was eight sessions already completed, people that advanced to day two from those. So they're planning on coming back Saturday. Now they find out day two is moved to Monday, day three is moved to Tuesday. So if you got a job and you were planning on, you know, concentrating on the tournament, maybe played an e- one of the evenings early in the week, qualified, now you can't even come back on a day Without no. influencing your job. Uh, exactly. Imagine someone either flew in or drove in the great state of California, long distance, like you said, and, hey, we have to be back for whatever reason it is. You know, everybody has their own lives to live. Now, okay. the background in this, by the way, uh, this is a place that used to be called the Hawaiian Gardens. Now it's called the Gardens Casino. It's in the Los Angeles area. And they uh, have huge competition from... Excuse me, the bicycle commerce. and the commerce in Los Angeles, not to mention other places out in California. But uh, it's a problem. Uh, they want to step up into the big time is what their thought was. What, by the, having what a I think like they've this, done now is pr- practically probably yeah. killed their room. I can't see them ever running another tournament Absolutely. like this. First of all, you know, you know, you know uh, what's that old saying? You know, fool me once, shame, shame, shame on, on you, you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Right. I don't see poker players being fooled uh, a yeah. second time for that. Well, to the point where they added on Thursday, they announced a revised schedule where they added a second, or a th- I'm sorry, a third opening session on Friday, and then t- two more on Saturday, two more on Sunday, move day two and, and day three back. So, hu- huge outcry immediately. Uh, they were going to go short without those extra days and without the extra uh, satellites. Well, Guess what happened? They turned out going short anyway because no one wanted to play there after. Exactly. That. Who would want to play that? I mean, let me tell you, like they, to me, the number one rule of running a poker room is you've got to run a room that's honest. Okay? And then you've got to run a room that's run properly. Right. But first and foremost, you could have dealers making mistakes and four people making bad calls, and I know that really sucks. But as long as you know no one is cheating, that they're running an honest game, and guess what? When a casino posts a guarantee and puts forward, hey, this is these are the flights that we're going to have, you know, to to make yourself eligible for day two, and we're guaranteeing, you know, a million dollars in prize pool. Well, you've put your word on it. Yeah. You've put your reputation on that. And like you said, uh, I know. I mean, I'm, I don't know what the rules are in California, but I know in the state of Florida, Dave. You know, every every casino sets up their own internal controls, and then the state forces them to follow their own internal controls. And we all have problems with that, believe it or not, sometimes, even though we wrote the, our own internal controls. And to top things off, you know, they, when when the press wanted some information on the registration numbers, they wouldn't answer any questions, completely avoided everything. And the people who had actually gone out and promoted some of their events uh, couldn't get any information. And, uh, you know, like you say, they're done. Uh, oh, they're, I, I mean, again, I, I don't know what kind of live action they were running there, what kind of numbers they were producing there. But I can't imagine that room surviving now to the point where it can make any kind of an impact right. against the other rooms. And Los Angeles is such a, you know, huge city and so many poker players there, Dave, that if you couldn't draw them, with a 560 buy-in with a million-dollar guarantee, which means you needed, what, 2,000 2, players? Yeah. 14, 14 flights to get 2,000 players? Your room wasn't going to do anything to begin with. Yeah, absolutely. There, there had to be something else that people said, wait, wait a minute. You know, the value is fantastic, a million guarantee for only 560 buy-in. 
and you couldn't, and with 14 <laughs> flights, you couldn't come close to the 2,000 players that you had to add an extra three days? Oh, uh, no, an extra five flights from what you said, well, right? Well, that's what they tried to do. Because they did Thursday Friday. I don't know how Friday. many of those went off. I, I really don't have, it's been hard to get information on But what my guess is if happening. they added five, they were falling short by minimum yeah. of a quarter of a million dollars, yeah. minimum. Well, I just wanted to say that, you know, obviously a few years ago here in the uh, at the Seminole Hard Rock, the second year they had the $10 million guarantee. They ended up with a prize pool of just under $8 million, so they lost nearly $2 million. But they paid one, it. They paid but they it. paid it out. They absolutely did. They've done it on other tournaments that they've run a little short and on some that they've run over a million short. And just last week at this Maryland Live event, the World Series of Poker Circuit had a $2 million guarantee on the main and they win, a, or a million-dollar guarantee, I don't know which, but they, I know they win $150,000. Okay, sure. now, granted, those are large numbers. Yeah. But, you know, where, where, where I work, and I haven't been there, you know, since, the, since I had the stroke, but, you know, Dania, to their credit, you know, has fallen short on a few tournaments when we were trying to build up the room, and never an issue. Yeah. You know, they, they, they run that room with a lot of integrity and no issue. I remember... You know, at Miami Holiday, we were in a tournament room, but decided to run a $50,000 guaranteed tournament. Three days, only three days to get to the 50000 It was only like 150 buy-in. So, you know, not bad, not bad value for $150 uh, buy-in. We wound up falling about three, dollars $4,000 short. You know, um, once you put in the house money, I think it fell about two or $3,000 short. So we had to, not only did we not make money, but we have to I, I come out of pocket, which is what these people would have to do. So what I want to ask you is, uh, you know, you've been involved as a manager. Have you ever had to really stand up and fight with your own management who wanted to try to save money or recover the money and do something, you know, not this bad, but maybe something somewhat similar? No, I, have I, you ever had to put your reputation on the line and say, listen, this reflects on me, this reflects on the room, this is the future of our business. I can't let you do this. Um, no, they've ne they listen. When I ran when I ran Miami Highlight, I was blessed to have a man that we both know, uh, Mr. Lashardi, that that ran that room as the general manager. He had a lot of faith. Uh, the only questions he would ask, he, they never put forth and said, "Hey, let's do this." Dan would tell me, "Let me tell you, Dan Dan was the strong backer behind the two thousand dollar an hour high hand." And I'm going to, you know, I've always told people I ran the first $2,000 an hour high hand here in Florida. Well, I was looking to do it for 1500 to be honest with you, Dave. Dan says, well, 1500 is not a, not a nice even number. What do you think about 2000 Do you think we will draw this? And I said, well, listen, we're going to make money that day. Maybe not as much as we think we're going to make, but we're going to promote the hell out of the room. And as you remember, uh, I, I don't know if you were there, but the room was packed yeah, for 16, 17, 18 hours. Didn't have an open seat. I had over 300 people on a waiting list. It, it was incredible. Okay. It really was. Now, I have put my reputation stating that, hey, I would like to try to take this room to the next level, which is when I ran. We, we ran two $50,000 tournaments. The first one, we had no problem covering it. We went over it. And... They wanted me to do a second one, and it was the time framing on it is where I had a little issue. But listen, I, I'm not there to bring anybody down. I, I honestly thought we would make it, and like a lot of the poker rooms here, with now with the Hard Rock becoming the the, the big 800-pound uh, gorilla in the room, you know, we had competition during that second 50,000 uh, that we didn't anticipate. No one had planned it that advance for us, so I don't know if they purposely did that to target us, I wouldn't doubt it, and we fell short, like I said, but I've been blessed where I haven't had to tell people, no, don't do that because it's a bad idea, and I haven't been told that in the, in, to my face when I've suggested to do different things, I, I've been given the rein for that. Uh, I want to bring up another local situation here that happened right around the same time frame as this tournament. Uh, there was a uh, satellite set up for a big tournament over at the Isle Casino. And two nights before, there was a satellite. They promised three seats into this event. Uh, I think it was a $750 or no, something like that, $750 buy-in um, tournament. So uh, the three seats cost them maybe, uh, I may have these numbers wrong, but uh, a couple thousand bucks anyway. Right. Uh, when Because... 
this satellite was very poorly attended, supposedly. Uh, within a half hour of the event, there was nobody signed up. Uh, as they got closer to the event, a few pe- couple people signed up. Three minutes before the tournament was supposed to start, uh, the uh, poker director canceled that satellite. Now, well, is that worse, or is that on the same level? It all depends, because even at Dania, we have a rule, whether people read it or not, that, yeah, we'll guarantee, but there's a minimum amount of players that have to be signed up by the start of the tournament, or we have the option to cancel the tournament. Now, the minimum doesn't mean, okay, uh, we're giving you 10000 and it's 500 Well, we need minimum of 20 people, which means you're not guaranteeing anything. You understand? Right. Just to use numbers like that. But in a case like that, you'd say, well, we need a minimum of five people to start the tournament. You have three, four, and the time comes, you have a right to cancel that tournament. And that's in, your, that's in your rules. I would imagine in the very fine print at that Garden Casino, and, and they had to have it somewhere in there, or there was no state ruling uh, from the California Gaming Commission. There was no ruling stating that they couldn't add it on. I guarantee you they're going to be addressing that sooner or later, after, especially you know, with, the, with the outcry that we've had for what happened over there. Uh, I find the one in California a lot worse, Dave, because at least yeah. here you never even got off the ground. Okay, over there, you've, you, may have, you may have already played in two or three flights, finally qualified, okay, and then find out they're adding five more flights. They're extending this three or four more days. You know, I have commitments to, to other things I've got to do in life, and that's not what I had planned for. If I had known that, I may not have bought in. I may not have fired two, three, four more bullets. Uh, to clear up the numbers on that, uh, the tournament they were uh, satelliting into was a 570. So the three seats would have cost them approximately $1,700. To me, I don't think you want to, uh, for that amount of money, you want to besmirch your reputation. But they kind of uh, they kind of skated on that one a little bit. I don't think people held them. Uh, you know what it because is? Because it happened at the same time as uh, in California. Exactly. And you know what it is? You know what? Uh, to give the aisle a lot, it was at the aisle, correct? Yeah. Uh, to give the aisle a lot of credit, you know, they kind of were the first people to really be successful with tournaments in this. And, you know, when Stan Strickland took over for Mike Smith, who did an incredible job down here and is doing an even better job at Maryland Live, you know, tournament players respect the fact that they've run some very good tournaments for a very small buy-in. So, you know what, you know... You get you get a do over. You, you cut know, them a break. You get you Let definitely slide. you definitely get a break because of their track history, Dave. You know they've they've proven that their their you know their intention is to give a great product to the players out there to you know put on a great tournament uh, you know and and go from there. So for them to have canceled this, like you said, for that amount of money. It had to be a very, very small amount of players that were entered into it where they didn't even think they could get enough to say, all right, if we have to eat one of the buy-ins at 570, you know, fine, as long as we get... What if if there was like four or five people signed up for it and you're licking your chops thinking, I only got to beat two people to get a seat in this tournament? Yeah, well, yes, (laughs) yes. You've got a huge overlay, as they like to say in poker, but, you know... It it also isn't fair to the casino to say that, especially, like I said, one like the Isle that has always put their best foot forward when it has come to tournaments. We've we've said nothing but wonderful things here. We've never heard anybody complain about a tournament at the Isle. So, you know, from Mike Smith to Stan Strickland, they've run they've run a pretty much a, a first class operation when it comes to tournaments. Okay. Is it cheating, unethical, perfectly fine? You decide. That's our uh, next topic, a car article written by Ashley Adams uh, earlier this summer that I wanted to go over and have some fun with. Uh, but we'll take a break. We'll be back with more of the show uh, after these messages. We'll be back. This is Poker Action Live. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. 
You are round MVP. Yeah, man. Yo, Drew, I finally got round MVP. Round MVP. No way. That was some ownage. It's a good thing you got me as your wingman. Right. You mean when you threw that flash grenade at me? Whatever, man. Huge round. Seriously, great stuff. Finally earning round MVP takes determination. So will getting into college. I've got what it takes. All right, class. I'm going to pass back your test. And the high score goes to... Brian. Oh, oh, yeah. High score, baby. We're all good at something. Maybe it's break dancing or skateboarding or video games. Whatever you're good at, you have the skills to make it happen. And those same skills will help you get to college. Visit knowhowtogo.org to learn what you should be doing right now to prepare for college. Start taking the steps at knowhowtogo.org. I've got what it takes. So do you. Brought to you by the American Council on Education, Lumina Foundation, and the Ad Council. on the show, Big Dave and Joe. Uh, let's move on to uh, this other article I wanted to bring up and kind of have some fun with that. I'll give you the scenario, and several of them are, are related, you know, with slight differences. And uh, the three answers you need to give are, is it cheating? Is it not technically cheating, but unethical? Okay. Or is it perfectly fine? Okay. So those are my three options. Those are your three options. Okay. And uh, this is Ashley Adams wrote this. And he gave his he opinion. Gave his on opinion. He also. Don't uh, tell me his. I'll, I'll give well, mine. I won't. And I won't. We'll, I won't. We'll, we'll have some fun with it. And he also uh, checked in with a number of people in the poker world, he says, including Jan Fisher, to get some answers. Uh, and he wants people to respond and, and give their opinion. And uh, nothing is black and white, uh, although a few of these are, are definitely black and white. But uh, let's give you the situation. Okay. Uh, the first four are connected. Uh, you're sitting in, in a, in a one-two no-limit hold'em game. There's an older gentleman to your right. Uh, sometimes he picks up his car. He doesn't shield them very properly. Uh, and you see them flashed uh, to you unintentionally. Uh, you're right next to him. For instance, uh, there's a hand where you looked, you saw he held pocket fives, you held pocket sixes, a hand maybe you might have folded, but because you knew what he had, uh, instead of folding, you put in a substantial raise. Is that cheating? Not technically cheating, but unethical, or perfectly fine? It's uh, To me, it's, it's be honest with you, and I'm sure they, this wasn't the answer they gave, to me it's perfectly fine because I, I didn't do anything wrong. I was in my chair looking forward, and I happened to see it. Worst case, it's unethical, but I can't say it's unethical. You may have played that hand. Again, seeing it changes both ways. Exactly. So if you got that information, you didn't peek over the old man's shoulder. You didn't do anything anything sleazy to see it. I think it's perfectly okay. fine. Ashley's answer is, agrees with you, fine. There but you he go. said there is the caveat that you probably should give him a warning first. Well, that's what I've, I've done that many times on the table, by the way. But I was just addressing the the situation whether you, whether you take the raise on him as being cheating, unethical, or perfectly fine. Okay. Next, number two, is the same situation. Okay. But you intentionally lean a bit to your right to view his cards. That is cheating. Okay. Uh, his answer is cheating, for yeah, sure. Yeah, two for two with him, so okay. there we go. Uh, next one is the same gentleman. He doesn't flash his cards to you fully, but you notice he doesn't really protect them. After uh, a hand is over, you move your chair a little closer to him to hope to catch a future glimpse of his hand. Well, for me, the move over is unethical, okay? But it also could be cheating because you have intentions of trying to see this man's cards and you're not telling him, you're not even warning him, sir, you need to protect your hand because I can, I can see some of your cards or, you know, whatever. So if you're moving your chair over, so what's your answer? technically I would have to say you're cheating. Okay, his answer is B, not technically cheating, but unethical, because well, he says... I remember I said that first, and he, then I said, you know what, now said, that you move your chair, I'm, I'm going to say you're cheating, because you're trying to get an advantage. He said it's not strictly cheating, but surely it's not fine. Right. Okay, now one more in this same scenario. Uh, you, left, you leave the game to go have dinner. When you come back, you see two seats open at that same table, one to the immediate left of this older gentleman, the other directly opposite him. You take the chair next to him, hoping to gain an advantage. 
Uh, once again, that's unethical, in my opinion. I mean, you already know that he's flashing his cards. So by you taking that seat, you're not cheating. It's almost like the same answer from the previous question. You're not cheating, but it's unethical because you know you're going to be getting some information that you wouldn't be getting otherwise. Okay, he doesn't agree. He says he thinks this is fine. He said there are people who think it's unethical, but the consensus is it's not really cheating. Okay, well, you know. Because you have a right to choose the judge. You do have a right to choose it, but once again, you know this man flashes his cards. You know what? You know, I think it's it's unethical unless, uh, if you sit down and don't tell them, sir, you flash your cards. I don't want to see them. Okay, the next scenario is at a home game uh, with the dealers uh, around the table, uh, self-dealt. Uh, a few of the players deal in a way that lifts up the outer corner of the card, making it sometimes visible to another player if he's not too tall. Right. Uh, you pick your seat at the beginning of the night, you try to position yourself opposite uh, one of them, and you grab the smallest chair at the table because it seats you lower, giving you a better chance of seeing an exposed guard. And you purposely choose a seat lower? Yeah. That, to me, is cheating. Okay. He says unethical, maybe not strictly cheating, but unethical. If you know that, that man that that. is throwing the – and you're sitting there because you're, you're getting the advantage of seeing the, the cards that he's pitching out, that, to me, is – outright cheating okay uh the next you're at a poker room uh you and a poker buddy of yours you decide to share a bankroll for the night pledging to divide your winnings or losses between yourselves share and share alike is that cheating no i think that's part in my i've done that before so uh i'm not cheating i think that's that's perfectly fine he agrees he said fine if it doesn't affect how you play if it does it is cheating and what do you mean oh you're talking about two different players on the table well or in sharing a seat in a room in a room no see, not sharing a seat but in the room and you split your bankroll and you're going to you're going to split winnings and losings he said it's okay unless no, you let I, that I, affect I, your I play. don't agree with that okay. I, I strongly don't agree with that not if i'm playing if you and i are playing at the same poker table and we say hey you know what joe dave hey why don't we play at the end of the night you took out 1000 i took out 1000 you know and we split it 50-50, combine our, our stacks, that's collusion. Okay. All right? In my opinion, you, you have somebody else there. Now, granted, we could be people of high character, and we play our hands our own way. There's a thing known as a kitty that players do that I prefer a lot better, meaning that if you win, you every hand that you win, if it's under a certain amount, you give me $10. If it's over a certain amount, you give me 20 and it goes into a cup. We both do that when we win hands. At the end of the night, we split that. Okay. But whatever you win in your stack or whatever I win in my stack stays there, but we've put some money aside for both of us to split. I don't, I don't agree with him there. If two different players are playing and decided they're going to split everything 50-50, what's, what's to stop them from middling? You yeah. and I are partners. Geo's in the hand. We put enough pressure on them. It doesn't matter if you win or I win because at the end of the night, we're going to split that money. Okay. You and your buddy are driving together. You not, there's nothing said about your bankroll, but you make a pact to play your best and tightest game, and you, you pledge good-naturedly to believe each other if you're betting or raising. Uh, so then you're seated at the same, same table. Uh, you, your buddy, and the third player are in a hand that goes to the river. The buddy, your buddy's the first hack, makes a large bet. Your other opponent in between you thinks for a long time, then calls. You have a very good hand, would normally call, but you hearken back to what you pledged, and you decide to fold. Surprisingly, your other opponent had the nut hand in one. He obviously had hesitated, hoping to draw you in, but your conversation with your buddy before the game kept you from calling. Cheating or not cheating? All right, I I, kind of lost you there with that explanation, so... It's two players that have agreed to to split. Not to split. No, no splitting. Oh, just friends. Just that you would uh, you would believe each other if you were in the same table. That you would believe each other if you're betting or calling. Let me tell you, I've been in situations and I've not where I've done that. Listen, I've I. That's like saying, Dave, I'm not going to bet into you, because you're a friend of mine, and I'm not going to bet into you. Now, the other guy bets into you. I've told people, bet into me, because when I decide I don't want to bet against you, I won't bet against you. Okay. But don't get upset. I won't get upset if you bet into me. And I tell people, don't get upset if I bet into you. Is it cheating, you know, that, that, that you've agreed, that you've told each other this? I don't, I don't think it's cheating. I, I think it's a, it, it falls in the unethical part of it. it. It actually can be 
Okay. He could be either. Well, and that's his point. Either. His point is it could be cheating or it could be fine. It depends on the strength of your pledge. Uh, if you're really a pl- it's really a plan to collude, then it would be cheating. But people pledge to pay, play their best game all the time and don't. Only you know what this pledge was. Okay. Well, again, uh, you know, in a home game, it's usually the same same people. Yeah. So if there's a problem, well, this is this is at a casino. At a casino, it's a little it's a little more dicey than that, Dave, because you know you're playing with people you don't really know. Okay. And they're like I said, they're hoping the game is on the up and up. Situations like this lend ten people to believe that the game isn't on the up and up. Okay. Next one, uh, you notice a bend in the corner of an ace. It's the only mark you've noticed all night. You don't tell the dealer, hoping you might use the information later to your advantage. Cheating or not cheating? Um, I think it's unethical. Okay. He thinks it's cheating. He says definitely cheating. Uh, simil- in a similar way. Um, because you don't know how many other people know that that's there and they haven't said anything. You understand? Right. So, so you know, uh, 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 the only thing I know is that you have the ace or he has the ace or I'm going to be getting the ace. <laughs> so. Or the ace is coming up. Well, even on the flop, you can't tell because you got the burn card on top. Okay. He has uh, another another hand. He has a similar situation. Uh, queen, jack of spades. Uh, your opponent's been betting like he either had a big ace or a high pair. He makes a larger than pot size bet. You figure he's either got a monster or is continuing with a bluff. Probably with ace king, you think. You notice the bend in the corner of one of the cards that you had seen before on that ace. You use that information, make a call. He indeed does have ace-king, and you win a huge pot. Cheating or not cheating? Well, the guy could have had aces. Um, Again, if you know he had the ace, so you know that one of his two cards doesn't pair the board, now you have to think about it. Again, I think this falls right in between. He thinks it's cheating. He said, unless you had said something and the dealer refused to remove the card. All right, I can I can live with that. Okay. I don't have a problem with that. Okay, next one is a uh, online. You have a poker coach with you who's viewing your hand. He's giving you suggestions and advice, though you are the only person actually making the betting action. Cheating or not cheating? I'm sorry, Dave. Be- uh, o- online, well. you're playing online. You have a poker coach with you okay. in your in your bedroom or your uh, den, and uh, he's giving you suggestions and advice. But you're the only one actually clicking the buttons. Right. Uh, that's not cheating. Uh, to me, that's not cheating because everybody could get a poker coach. Okay. He agrees. He says, as a practical matter, it's impossible to police this, so it's become accepted. Exactly. Okay. Next one. Uh, uh, you're playing in your home game. You spend 10 hours looking through the uh, the decks you're giving to your professional dealer that you hired, trying to spot any imperfections that you can to gain an advantage. You detect five marks, but when you're actually playing the game, you can't spot them at all, so your work gives you no advantage. Now is that cheating? You attempted to cheat, but <laughs> being that you can't see, you're not actually cheating because you're not gaining any kind of an advantage. Yeah, he agrees. He said cheating. He said you're trying to take advantage, but you just aren't very good at it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, next one. Uh, you have a buddy who thinks he's a pro. He wears all the gear, including sunglasses. But they diminish his vision, so he has to hold the cards close to his face. When he does so, you can see the cards reflected in his sunglasses, <laughs> at least to the point of being able to distinguish whether it's paint or an ace. You don't tell him, but take advantage of these reflections to demolish his stack. Cheating or not cheating? To me, it's not cheating. You want to wear some mirrored sunglasses and give us the information? Uh, you know, uh, what, The only thing I could tell you, I don't think it's cheating. Now, whether you want to tell him, hey, buddy, take those sunglasses off, because so you're showing your cards to everybody, that's that's a, a moral question for you to answer on your own. Well, he says the the consensus was that this is fine. There you go. Uh, <laughs> not not really complete consensus because he felt it was unethical unless you warned the guy. Uh, he thought it was unethical unless you warned the guy. Yeah. Well, listen, you know, it comes to a point where we've known this before with mirrored sunglasses of people being able to see it. So. You know, this is like the buyer beware. You bought those glasses, you want to wear them at the poker table and act cool. Just think of Phil Ivey. Remember, he no longer wears sunglasses because he misread a hand once and <laughs> and lost a big pot or folded to a big pot. Okay, we're running out of time, so let's uh, speed these up a little bit. There's a professional dealer in the poker room, 
and she inadvertently flashes the bottom card right before the cut. You see it. Uh, you figure it for the flop turn or river. As it turns out, this card will greatly help your hand. You alter your play to take advantage of this. Is that cheating? Yes. He says unethical, unless you inform the dealer. But he said that's kind of a gray area there. Okay. Well. Okay. <laughs> Next one, during the ha- playing of a hand, you get up briefly to grab a drink, and you see uh, the whole cards of one of your opponents. Using this information, you stay in the hand after he shoves, knowing he can't beat your mediocre hand. That's cheating to the best level ever. <laughs> Plain and simple cheating. You're taking advantage of information you've learned the property. Yeah. Exactly correct. And a last one. Uh, uh, has to do with making change. You're in a cash game. You give the dealer $100, five $20 bills for chips. The dealer, for some reason, misreads one of the 20s and gives you $180 in chips. You say nothing, double up your stack, cash out, and leave. Uh, and you cash out and leave? That's unethical. Okay, he says that's absolutely cheating. So. Yeah, that's unethical. Wow. You didn't cheat. You didn't do anything <laughs> to cheat. You gave that person the right amount of money. They gave you something wrong. That, to me, is an unethical instead of cheating. Now, that you're obviously a uh, card room, former card room director. Uh, you're a dealer. And so you may look at these things a little different. I'm kind of curious as to what the average person will respond, and it depends on what kind of person he well, is. Well, let I me tell you what happens now, because at our cage and at our tables, there have been players at Miami Highlight that, that have, uh, I'm sorry, at Dania Highlight, excuse me, that have been paid out a lot more money than they were supposed to get. Mm-hmm. And in one instance, somebody was shorted $1,000, okay, that I know of, okay? Both times they look at the tape, the person who was shorted, when he walked in, he's a very, very wealthy man, so obviously he didn't even miss $1,000, we informed him, hey, listen, we got a thousand dollars. It's your money, buddy. You 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 handed in X amount of chips, and we only paid you so much. The ones that have gotten it, and most of the times it's on the other side where people are given more money. They're given the option: pay it back when you come back, or never come back never into the room. Yeah. So okay, one more break to fit in. Let's uh, take it here, and we'll come back and finish up when we return. That was fun. I enjoyed that. Uh, we'll be back uh, with our uh, last segment when we return here on Poker Action Line. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration, and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. Okay, final short segment of the program. Uh, we'll just let you know the World Poker Tour uh, at Maryland Live. Art uh, Papazian uh, wins his second tournament within a matter of weeks, uh, defeats uh, Zach Donovan, Tom Reynolds, Randall Heeb at the final table, among others, uh, wins 389000 That was at Maryland Live where they went a little bit short on the guarantee. Uh, Took a loss of about 150,000, so the players got some added value. 561 entries in what I believe was a uh, 1675 tournament, something like that. So uh, fell a little bit short. Uh, 
Matt Glantz uh, almost made the final table. He was actually on the, f- the unofficial table of nine, uh, but got eliminated. Uh, Aaron Mermelstein, Ari Engel, Christian Harder all played in the event and uh, didn't make the final table, but did cash, I believe, as far as I know. Uh, Justin Boggs. Uh, was the winner of the Horseshoe Southern Indiana main event for the World Series of Poker Circuit. He's a school teacher with 22,000 in career caches coming into the tournament, wins 139,000 in uh, Southern Indiana. Uh, Wendy Friedman was second. Uh, I've talked to her a couple of times at a couple of events, um, and very good player. Um, she uh, has been at the uh, circuit event up at the Palm Beach Kennel Club a few times. She finishes second. Boggs wins 139,000. Uh, Wendy wins uh, 86,000 plus. Michael Foley was third. Al Henschek fourth. Scott Montgomery, who uh, was a one-time November Niner, finished fifth for 35,000. Uh, just a quick look at uh, the WPT announced their 2018 schedule, which added on to what was already uh, on the circuit uh, earlier, but. Uh, they announced six more stops, including a couple at the um, Seminole Hard Rock. Uh, the Lucky Hearts Open dates were released. They will be January 19th through the 24th, and they'll be here in Hollywood for that. Then they go to the Borgata late uh, January into early February for uh, the Winter Open up there. Falls View will follow that up in the Niagara Falls area. Then the L.A. Poker Classic and Rolling Thunder. Now, I don't see Bay 101 in between. I'm not sure if that's going to be held this year and whether there's actually going to be a three-stop swing. But uh, they will come back to the Seminole Hard Rock in April to close out the season again. Uh, and uh, that will be April 13th through the 18th. So that's going to do it for today's show. Joe, thank you again uh, for I'm uh, so happy to be back, Dave. coming back. I uh, certainly uh, missed you when you were gone and uh, look forward to having several guests over the next few weeks. Gio, thank you as well. And uh, we'll join you again next week, another edition of the show. Thanks for being with us, and we'll look forward to uh, having you join us again next week on the program here on Poker Action. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies. 